Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 467. Uh, today we're going to take a look at Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. So this is kind of the sequel or second edition or almost kind of a collector's edition of the original Through the Ages. Now I think there was four editions of the original Through the Ages. Uh, none of those had rule changes, I don't think, between them. There might have been small tweaks. Uh, this has a couple of significant rule changes from that edition, as well as some updated and kind of rebalanced cards. And the reason I kind of threw in collector's edition there is because it's got kind of a nicer, bigger box, a nicer card quality, better components overall, and it's even got room for you to keep in sleeves and the insert and everything. So the components are definitely a market upgrade from uh, the edition that I used to have anyway. Uh, so what is this game? It plays two to four players. It's a civilization themed game. We'll talk more about that in the review, uh, but it's a card drafting game with lots of resource management, you know, managing what your workers do. You might send them to be in a mine or they might act as an army of some sort. And you're doing all of this and directly interacting with the other players maybe taking cards that they want from the draft supply, attacking them with wars, or raiding them, or doing other kinds of aggressive acts towards them. And you go through the ages, and there are, well, technically there's four ages, but there's basically three ages. Well, I guess there's actually five ages. <laughs> so you start with a simple age of antiquity, which is one round, and then you play through the first age, the second age, and the third age, and then you trigger the end of the game, which is considered like the fourth age where you score uh, some end game points. Probably, if you did good, you will. <laughs> so let's talk about how it works. And I'm not gonna get crazy detailed with the rules. And the gameplay itself is actually pretty simple. Once you get used to it, the mechanics of what you do on your turn are relatively simple, um, but the strategy in kind of playing the game so that you don't get beat over the head with the resource management and like feeding your civilization, that's very tricky to play. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of a heads up. I played the original, I think five times, maybe six. It's been, you know, some years since I played it and since I first learned it. And I've played this now a total of six times, the new edition. Uh, and so the old edition I didn't care for that much. Like I give it a six on BGG and I don't hate the game, uh, but it's not something I ever really wanted to seek out and play again. I do like this one better, but let's kind of leave all that stuff for the review. I just want to give you a little bit of a background on my sort of history. So let's jump in and look at how the game works a little bit, and then I'll jump in and tell you what I think. Okay, here's Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. Just wanted to show you a quick kind of component note with the box here. I actually have picked this up and twisted it around a few times. Here you can see it's got the two rule books. Uh, this is the handbook. Uh, definitely give this one a read. Now my edition did not actually come with this. I had to send away and get a replacement copy. This is definitely easier to read uh, and kind of learn the game from for your first uh, game of it. Uh, here we've got the uh, the player boards and stuff. I'll talk about that more in a minute, of course. And some player aids, which are nice. And then here's kind of the rule book. It's very nice and pared down. This is the rules of the game. So if you forget like, oh yeah, how do I do this? What's this kind of card called? You know, after you've read the main rule book, this is a nice kind of reference uh, for reminders and stuff. And these boards and stuff pack in here very nicely. And I, like I said, I had been twisting these around and everything kind of stayed the same. You can see there's some extra room in here and that's for sleeving the cards. I won't do that, um, but uh, you can if you want. The cards themselves have uh, much better artwork. I think 
well, it's not that much improved, but and some of the artwork is improved. Uh, and I, honestly, it's been a couple years since I've actually owned the game, so it might not even be the same. But the cards are a little bit better linen and stuff, and just overall the components look better. So let me set this up a little bit, and then we'll go over gameplay a little bit. Okay, so I've got the game sort of set up as it would be before you start the game. And there's a few things you can see here. We've got this yellow big track here. This is your score track where you score culture. Those are the victory points. You've got a blue science track up there. Uh, you've got a military board and track here. You've got some different event cards. You've got your main row of cards here that you're gonna be drafting from. And then of course your player board down here. Now, there's a few things to note. And like I said, I'm not gonna get into every detail. There is several good videos about how to play the game. I would definitely go look at the gaming rules video by Paul Grogan. He did a few videos, I think, uh, about how to play the game in detail and also some more detail on the differences between this edition and the old edition, which I will talk about here. Uh, but basically what you're doing is you can take a look down here and you can see here you have a certain kind of government and everybody starts off with the same a despotism this is going to give you a certain number of civil actions these are kind of like i call them normal actions you get four of those and you get two military actions here and so depending on the thing that you do you will spend the action and do the thing and then once you're out of actions you pass and then the next player takes their turn now the other things to note here is you do start off with uh, some cards with some stuff printed on your board and you can see here like for example the warrior has that little slot there I mean you start with one of your yellow cubes and these are workers and people and depending on where they're at is the job that they're doing so if I have this guy here he counts as a worker you can see this is going to be contributing one military strength uh, to my total strength so if I get another worker out over here that would be another military worker he's going to be contributing whatever this tells me here so that's another one so I've got two military strength there you can see the cost here is actually two stone. Everything costs stone or resources. In uh, here, I've got two workers. You start the game off there, and each of these can producing one food. This is the card here for resources. This one produces science. Start with one there, and this one is religion. Produces two things. It produces culture, which again is victory points, and also happiness. And the happiness you can track here, I'll explain that more in a minute. So one of the actions that you can do, for example, if we take a look at the bottom of the board, let's zoom in a bit, we can see that we can spend a civil action. We can pay two food, and this will move a, one of these guys up here. We'll sort of increase our population. We'll get a worker out of our bank. But as we do that, as we spend food, it's going to increase the cost. So the next guy is going to cost us three food because the demands of your ever-growing civilization increase and increase. At the end of the round, you're going to actually actually pay food kind of as a maintenance fee. I'll talk about that more in a minute. But just know as you spend more and more food, you're going to have to actually also increase happiness, but also it's going to cost you more food for more people. Uh, now the next thing you can do is you can take a worker here that you've, you've generated and you can put them in one of these spots. Uh, so as time goes by, you're going to have uh, blue cubes on these. And wherever the blue cube is, it is what it is, right? So if the blue cube's on here, it's a resource. If the blue cubes are here, they count as food and so on. So to get a worker out, let's say we wanted to build another miner here, we're going to have to spend two resources that were on here because you can see the cost there is two resources. I'll talk about how these actually make the resources in a minute, but that's another civil action that you can do. You spend your civil action cube, move a worker from here to here, paying the cost, 
and then you go from there. Now you've also, like I said, got this big row here and actually the first round, all you can do is take cards from here and you actually have a reduced amount of civil actions. Uh, but that's a detail I'm gonna gloss over. And what you can do is you can take a card and add it to your hand. You can see the little dot there and these all have a single dot over them. That means it's cost you one civil action where if you wanna jump up and cheat a little bit, maybe this one here, this stockpile card, it costs you two civil actions to go and grab it. Now at the end of each player's turn, these are gonna kind of slide off at the end. Uh, you can see in a two player game, these left three slots are gonna disappear. Uh, in a four player game, only this last one will disappear. Uh, so these are gonna keep coming out. Now these are all antiquity cards. So we'll kind of have a, a pick of these, sort of a starting special ability kind of thing. The first player gets to choose one civil action worth of cards. The next player does two and three and so on. Then you're gonna have over here, these different ages. So age one will start after everybody's had a single turn. And these cool cards are gonna come out. So you're gonna have drama, you're gonna have printing press, code of laws, blah, 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 all this stuff, right? Uh, you're gonna have new leaders come out. So you're gonna have different uh, wonders come out that you can construct and all this stuff. So these are all gonna come out and they're gonna get cheaper as time goes by. And then you get to actually add them to your hand. Now the other types of cards are these gray cards. And at the end of every round, if you have any leftover military actions, you're gonna draw that many of these cards. Now you do have to discard down to your hand limit first and then draw, but you will get some extra of these. And these are the cards that are gonna help you fight other players, add for defense and all kinds of cool stuff like that. You might trigger events. You might even have some cards that are like a pact. So you put this here and say, hey, Billy, you're the B player. So you're gonna get this benefit and I'm gonna get the A player benefit. So this one says maybe Civilization A can use food as a resource. Civilization B can use a resource as food. And there's all cool, kinds of cool stuff like that. So you're gonna get these at the end of each round and you can actually discard these as defense and so on. So a couple things, if you take a wonder, which would be one of these purple cards, you'll take it and put it in front of you and the rules say to tap it, show you that it's not been built. You can only ever have one kind of wonder under construction and you need to take actions and spend this many of resources. So two, that would be one action to spend two and then two and then two. So it might take you multiple turns even to build that. Now once you build it, you're gonna get the benefit. So in this case, you're gonna get one uh, victory point and then two happiness. The other kind of card here are these leader cards. You can take and you can only actually ever have even in hand uh, a leader from a particular age, one leader. So you can only have one antiquity leader. And you get, then it costs you another action to actually play that leader. And then they have these all cool special thematic abilities that they give you. Uh, the yellow cards are kind of like action cards. These you can take. You can't play them on the turn you take them. So you spend an action or two to take them. Then on the following turn, you can play it for one of your civil actions and do whatever the cool effect is. Now there are other types of buildings and things. Most of them have uh, science here. So you can see these two warfare ones. So you can take this off the card row on a turn and on that turn or a later turn, you can then spend the science to actually get it out into play. Now you actually have uh, necessarily constructed. Now these blue ones are different because once you play these out, you, you pay the science cost, they're out and then you've got it. So this one will give you one uh, military strength and then one military cube. You can't actually have, I should say, have two of the same card in play, uh, but you might also get this drama card here. And so you can see you might draft it off on a turn and then later that turn or another turn, you'll pay three science and you get it out. Now, you're not actually 
constructing or generating any of these points or happiness until you actually put a worker on it. You can see there's a cost there. Just like these starter buildings here, you have to pay four stone and then you put a worker on it and then it's gonna start generating the victory points and happiness. And there's different types of buildings. Uh, you can see there's also government here. Uh, you can see here, it costs you eight science. This will actually replace your government and you're gonna get different uh, special abilities sometimes and also different amounts of civil action cubes or military cubes. You can see you get one more of each here. There's also a building limit. So you see it says three. That means you can only have three of a certain type. So if we zoom in here, then we can see here, like this is a lab type, and this is a temple type, and this is a artistic type, the little icons there. So you can get multiple uh, cards of each type. So here's an alchemy, but you can see it's also a lab. What that means is usually actually you put these like that because you can upgrade directly of uh, the same type. Uh, you can only have three workers like this. If this is your, uh, your, uh, your government, you start with a despotism, which only has a two, but you can only have three buildings of that given type based on that icon there. Now you can see this one generates one science, this will generate two. So even if he's sitting up here and these two are sitting down here, you're gonna generate a one, two, four science based on where they're at. Now you don't have such a limit on your brown buildings. These are your basic resource buildings. So let's say I had drafted this one, paid the five science and put this iron out. You can see now, instead of uh, generating one resource, this will generate two. So if I had a worker out here, obviously it'll generate that. So let's talk about what happens at the end of the game and how you actually generate all this stuff. Well, the first thing you're gonna do is discard excess military cards. So these gray ones here that you have, any in excess of your total possible number of military actions, in this case two, you'll discard down to two. Then you're gonna score. So any workers on stuff that you have, that are scoring victory points, like with maybe we've got uh, two here and one there, so we're t generating a total of plus four victory points. We're gonna score the victory points and the science. So you keep track of what you're generating. So let's say, like I said, we're plus four on victory points. We have two religions and one drama. That's giving us plus four. We can just move that here. We can always audit what we have in front of us or also quickly refer to it here. So every round we're gonna generate four victory points and maybe we'll get more stuff and we'll be generating 10 points every turn. And you start to really accrue that as you move through the ages. Well, the same with science here. So right now we're generating, let's see, uh, four science as well because we had two on the philosophy and one on the alchemy. So every round we're gonna be generating four science. And remember I talked about spending science to get the cards out. This is stuff that you spend. So you're gonna lose science and then you're gonna start gaining it again every round. So after you have generated a certain amount of victory points in science, you're gonna check for corruption. Now you may have cubes over here on these spots here from previous uh, turns and so on, and maybe you haven't spent any. You're gonna look down here, you can see this says negative two resources there. So if you have not spent enough to cover up either this here or even it gets worse here, if you kind of hoard resources, you become corrupt. So you actually have to lose that many uh, total resources there if you've not spent enough. And you know, you wanna spend uh, nice valuable resources on your population because they deserve it. So you'll check for corruption and then you'll do food production. So up here, let's get rid of some of these blue cubes. You're simply going to produce one cube per cube. So for every yellow cube, you're gonna put a blue cube. And the same here for uh, iron or resources. So for every yellow cube, you're gonna put 
a blue cube on there. Now the blue cube is going to be worth a different amount based on which card it's on. So that blue cube counts as two resources and so on. However, after you produce food, you're going to do food consumption. Remember I showed you these things here. Uh, these guys are going to have to, uh, be, they're going to force you to pay a certain amount of food at the end of the round. For each food you can't pay based on, you know, what's uncovered. So obviously as you get more, you've got to pay more food, three in this case. You're going to lose four victory points per. You don't want that to happen. And the other thing to keep in mind is as you start to have more workers, you know, in your pool and out here on the board, you also need to move your happiness up. So let's say we had moved our happiness up because, you know, maybe we had built a bunch of drama or a cool wonder that gave us happiness. Then we've got it up here, but we don't yet have it up here. That's not a good thing because if you happiness isn't matching these sort of empty boxes, because this is completely empty now, we're going to have what's called an uprising. We don't want that. And that means we skip this whole production phase. We don't generate victory points. We don't generate science. We don't generate resources. It's a bad way. And so if we got the science up here, we're fine. If we had a worker back here like so, then we're also fine. As long as you have sort of one cube in these different levels here, you're okay. Now, the other thing you can do is that let's say you had made a worker earlier. If you have excess workers in your pool here that you haven't yet spent up here, you can take one and kind of put it down here. This is what's known as a disgruntled worker. It doesn't mean a whole lot. There are some event cards and things that will refer to them and you might take some, some hits for that. But what you really want to do is, is figure out a way to spend that worker or increase your happiness in other ways so that this happiness moves up and then he can kind of go back and do a normal job like, you know, fight in the military or, you know, mine resources for you. So all that's going to happen at the end of the round. And then again, you're going to draw military cards. Uh, based on the number of cubes that you didn't spend that are the military cubes. So the only other thing I really want to mention, and I do apologize for kind of glossing through this, is before you take your actions each turn, there is what's known as a political phase. You can do one political action. And a lot of times it's going to be playing these different cards here. I grab some H2 cards. And you can see any of these cards, and again, these are the gray military cards that you'll draw at the end of every turn. Any of these cards that have a crown on them, you can play during your political phase. Again, that's a little phase that happens before your action phase. So for example, this one is an aggression. And this says, take up to five science from your rival. So literally steal the science. They go down and you go up. This also costs you military action. So before you even start your turn, you're already down a military action. Now the way this works, if I play an aggression card, there's several kinds of aggression cards that do different things. I play it targeting Billy and he says, okay, and we compare military strength. And remember, as you build up troops and things, you'll get other cards. Uh, for example, you might get knights and stuff here. So for every cube on these knights, it'll actually generate two. You track that on this board here. We're going to compare military in the case. So if I have, let's say I have five military and Billy has three, he has the opportunity to discard these military cards, these gray cards as defense. Now he can discard as many as he has uh, total or possible military actions. So if he was starting the game, he could discard up to two cards. So if I have five and he has three, he could just say, oh, I'm gonna chuck these two cards. Boom, he gets plus one defense for each of those. So that in this case would be silly for me. And that's actually a rule change, just discarding any card you want. Now there are also, let me find one, B1, B1, B1 in here, there we go. Defense cards, and these are dual purpose. You can use them for colonization and defense. I can discard one of these, that's gonna give me plus four defense, okay. So you wanna be pretty far ahead of somebody or maybe they don't have very many military cards in their hand. 
so you take a risk playing in the defense. Now you can also play these event cards here, and these don't cost you anything. What you do with these is you actually put them face down in this pile, and that'll trigger an event previously played or seated in here at the start of the game from triggering. And there'll be a different number of these based on the number of players, but you flip these up, and these always start off good. <laughs> and then they get pretty bad after that. Uh, and then each civilization gains two food. That's cool, everybody gets that. But as you put these in, you can kind of plan for these. So. Uh, you know, this is a good one for everybody. Each civilization scores points equal to its science rating, but some of these might say like, you know, the, the weakest civilization or the strongest civilization, that's based on military or the one with the most points or the least points. So you put these in and then you'll know maybe four or five turns down the road or after four or five events have happened, you know, they, your event might come up because you shuffle the new ones in as you go through this deck here. So that's a cool, interesting thing there. We got other aggressions. I showed you the packs where you can do those. Now some of these are uh, formations, or tactics I should say. These you get out of this deck, but you don't play in your political phase. You play this during your normal turn. You can see this costs in action. So you're going to look at the type here. So you can see, well let's get a better card here. There's certain military types here, and so it's different like tanks and rockets and air force and you know knights and all kinds of guys through the ages have different icons. So in this case if I have like two um, let's say, you know, two cannons, uh, then I will get a little bonus here. So once you play this, then this is going to be out in front of you. And if you have two cannons constructed, you've got two sort of workers on a cannon card, you're going to get plus five or plus three. Now you need some to be the age that matches here, uh, to, to get the, the, the full bonus. But if you have, you know, weaker ones from like a previous era, then you only get the minor bonus, which sometimes is worth it. Now, the first time that you play this, it, only you have it. And then after that, you're going to put it up here in the center, mark it with your special token there of your color, showing that you still have it. But now other players can come along and they can always spend two military actions to copy that. So they've kind of learned your, your military techniques and that's a change. You couldn't do that copy action. Uh, is there a war in here? Oh, let me find a war. So here's an age three war, a war over culture. So when I play this, it's a little bit like an aggression, but I play it on my turn at the start of my turn in the political phase. And then I try to build up my army and increase my strength. And then once it gets back to me, whoever I play this war on and target it, we're going to compare military strength. So if I play it and I played it against Billy, maybe Frankie's next, he takes his turn. Billy takes his turn and now he knows his war is happening at the start of my next turn. He's going to try to build up his military strength. And most of them work like this. So this one says the victor takes five points plus points equal to the strength advantage. So you're going to look at the difference. So if I had 20 military and, and Billy had 15, I would get five from there plus the difference which would be another five uh, or I could lose it <laughs> Billy could also increase now there's no like playing defense cards or anything you just have a whole turn to kind of prepare and do that and those are kind of big at the end of the game a lot of these h3 events you're gonna play and then they're gonna score there at the end of the game and uh, so that's kind of like your end game points you might get some of that you're gonna score uh, kind of typical your stuff if you have a lot of science or a lot of happiness you're going to score points based on you know one of the stats that you've been increasing throughout the game uh, and that's pretty much the ball game okay so that is through the ages a new story of civilization i do apologize for kind of glossing over the rules this is a tricky one to explain the rules because there's a lot of I don't know, there's kind of like a lot of exceptions and things and just a lot of different occurrences that can happen, uh, you know, in, throughout the game. I would definitely, like I said, go watch 
uh, Paul's video there at Gaming Rules. That's a nice, good overview, I think. And uh, the rules themselves are pretty straightforward, though. I think the rule book was fine. I definitely read it again to brush up on, you know, the changes, of course, and to kind of refresh my memory. Um, and so I, th I think it, it plays pretty easily once you get into it. It is a long game. I just taught this to two new players last week. Uh, we played a three-player game, and it took about four and a half hours to play the game after about a half an hour rules explanation. So it is a, you're in there for the big crunch with this one. Uh, the game has grown on me. So let me, I'm just going to kind of get into opinion pieces here. Um, the old one bothered me with how the military worked, and they definitely have taken huge steps to making that not as egregiously as much of a snowball <laughs> as it was before. Uh, because before you had the aggressions that you had a harder time defending against. Uh, you also had to sacrifice uh, troops to a degree. I don't remember the exact rule for that. Um, I didn't talk about colonization. I'm trying to stay on track though. Um, but it was a little bit more egregious in that way where you really had to keep the military up. Now you still have to do that here. You cannot ignore it whatsoever. But I will say the aggressions themselves where you just kind of play the card and the guy has a response, uh, possible response to you know play defense cards, that has been nerfed for sure because you can discard any card and you maybe likely have a, a defense card or you know you have to kind of play with the mindset that your opponent does have it. The wars, I don't feel like they've really been nerfed. <laughs> you can really beat somebody over the head with it. Uh, now, that's one of the problems I have with the game as well. So, like I said, I give the other one a six. This one is kind of teeter kind of between a seven and an eight. I definitely am leaning towards an eight, though. The one problem with it is that you still have, and I'm going to kind of get these problems out of the way, is like the war, for example, is you can find somebody that has been kind of screwed over by the cards coming out and they don't have as good of a military. So you can kind of prey on the weak player here. Um, and so that that's, feels like a little bit icky. And that also kind of compounds itself with some of the resources. So I showed you the iron that comes out. So you have your two basic resources, food and like the stone resource. Uh, if you miss out on one of those upgrade cards that allows you to produce two or three uh, of a resource per worker, you can really set yourself back. So the game is very much a sort of a balancing act between kind of doing your sort of management of your civilization, your empire, making sure everybody's happy, you're spending enough resources, you're generating enough resources, but then also thinking about leaping up that drafting track and grabbing that card that's going to give you iron or it's going to give you a better government to give you more silver actions or it's going to give you a better military card so you can keep up with your your opponents that are going up for military um, or it's going to give you a wonder that's going to give you it's kind of some free you know culture and victory points and all that stuff it's a real balancing act between Doing that sort of management, that kind of, you know, sort of fiddly management, uh, spreadsheet type management of your empire, and then grabbing that, oh, that's a good card. I gotta have that. I can't let Billy have that, you know? Um, it's a management, it's a balance there. It's tough. It, it's a tough decision to make. It's not always an easy decision to say, let me spend those extra two civil actions jumping up there, maybe take a corruption hit, you know? Uh, you don't ever wanna do that, but it, it, it's, it's just tricky and it's tough. And if you kind of mess up a little bit, 
or just the cards don't come out in the right order based on the turn order and what people are taking and you miss out like an iron or irrigation which is going to up your production or you miss out on a good military unit or you miss out on getting a good tactic that goes with the military units you did draft and your opponent got the perfect tactic card and they just jumped ahead of you in military now they're beating you up over with the war and they're taking your science from you and then you're just like beating back beating back so You've got to know that going into the game is it can be very brutal and there is a definite amount of luck to the game. But having played both editions now over 10 times, you can see a little bit of the mitigation that's possible to prevent that. I don't know that it's 100% possible to prevent that. I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to a degree of luck. Um, especially from two like equal players, which is, you know, that's not necessarily the end of the world. But I just want people to be aware of that aspect. And it, there is a, a level of frustration to that where it's like, you know what, I never got any dang iron. That doesn't make sense because it, like, just be, you know how to mine iron and now I don't forever. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you know, it's not a civilization game. I can copy military tactics now, which is awesome but I can't copy how to make iron or, or farm, you know, that's kind of weird. So I wish they would add that somehow, but I don't think that's necessary actually. Um, I do enjoy the game. I've come to really enjoy it. This is kind of like, it's sort of like Race for the Galaxy for me where I kind of forced myself to play that, I think like 20 times and I was like, okay, I actually like this now. <laughs> because, you know, that game and this game is kind of like, okay, they're really hard and complex and there's a lot that's going on. And maybe I'm just dumb. You know, maybe I haven't given it enough tries. You know what I mean? And so this kind of fits in that same thing where it's like, it's just a lot to absorb. There's a lot of different possibilities. Do I take the wonder? Do I take the leader? Do I take the action card? Do I take, you know, no normal action to manage my guy? There's just so much happening um, that there's a frustration level to there. Um, but now as I've kind of grown to appreciate it more, all of those caveats I said before are 100% true. I do definitely enjoy the game. There's an addictive quality to it. Uh, I will say I've been playing online. You can go actually go play this on board gaming online and play it. And it's got a very, I wouldn't, you know, give the interface any awards, but it's definitely functional. And if you know the game, you can certainly play it. Um, and I, I would recommend that as well. Um, but there is a thematicness to this. Uh, and it's, it's very elusive and hard to pin down. Uh, and there's a certain amount of, of storytelling in there. And the rules mention that, and I noticed that this time from reading the rules. And I think that is the truth because you're gonna have funny things happen. Like a game that I was playing, uh, well today actually, uh, you know, my Johann Bach was my leader and he got assassinated uh, based on a, a, a war card or an aggression card, I can't remember which. And that was pretty funny because, you know, why would you kill Bach, you know? But he was generating a lot of victory points for me because he has this little ability that combos nicely with um, uh, art style buildings that give victory points anyway. Uh, so there's just interesting things like that and the leader, abilities are really thematic. The different wonder uh, bonuses that you get are very thematic and interesting. And like I said, there is a nice kind of like juicy tension there between like, okay, I'm gonna move guys around, we're gonna make bricks, we're gonna do this. But then there's this awesome new uh, discovery coming up, you know, this new innovation that's gonna really propel our civilization forward. We really wanna take advantage of that, spend a little bit of sort of like research, you know, jumping up that, that drafting track to get 
one of those cool cards and get one of those little bonuses or, or get a you know uh, monumental uh, leader in history and help us move forward. Um, so yeah, so it has those moments, but there's a lot there's a lot you have to claw through to get to that. And you have to put up with, you know, like the last three days that I've been playing games, I've won two games and lost one. And even the games that I won, I kind of still felt bad because I was like, man, I am just like dogpiling on person X. And, you know, in the case of me, I was like, oh, man, okay, we, we, it was close. Uh, it was a three-player game we were playing. It was like super close until maybe the last three rounds and then another player pulled ahead and it was like, okay, the game's over. And the game does actually give you the option of resigning. And I would say, don't feel bad about using it or be afraid to use that. You can just say, I got beat. We can start again or play again another day. That's definitely a possibility and this is gonna happen. You won't necessarily play every game to its end. Now you you still will I'm not the type of player usually to resign. I might still play it out, but that's kind of where the kind of some of the cool storytelling moments come. You know, like you decimated, you know, my civilization from the planet. Because like you can get an Air Force card, for example, that like doubles all your formations. And anybody that's in a form in that formation, not all your formations, anybody that's in the formation, that you get the double bonus out of there. And then you're like, oh what? You have 45 military like when did that happen um and then you just get wiped off the planet because they play a war on you and just take everything um so it has that element to it that's going to be a little bit of a claw through to get to and so the reason i kind of was harder on the game initially is because it is a civilization game and i do enjoy that theme a lot i like the civilization computer games and i've liked some of the different board games like that uh, Clash of Cultures is still my favorite. I don't like to usually talk about one game in another review, but for me, Clash of Cultures with expansion, I should say, is the the better civilization game. I won't say it's necessarily as well designed, although I think Clash of Cultures is a very fine, awesome design, but the sort of knife's edge that this design walks is super impressive. Uh, so yeah, it's a hard one for me to like recommend you know, to people because like all the caveats I said, but I think if you do want to get into it and you have a group or set of folks that want to push through it, there is a reward here, uh, you know, at the end of the day, after several plays of it. And the theme does start to really come out. Um, but when I sit down and I look at my favorite civilization game, the Clash of Cultures, that one feels more like a Civ game. Uh, so I will, I do plan on doing a review of uh, the, Fantasy Flight Civilization game this year at some point, and also Exodus Proxima Centauri, which I played the first edition of, but I haven't played the new edition with the expansion and stuff yet. Um, and I actually played the first, well, the original Civilization, but I haven't played with any expansions, which fixes some of the combat and stuff that I had a problem with. Uh, so I, I do plan on doing those this year, um, but I would definitely put this probably right under Clash of Cultures right now for me in terms of a Civilization game that I would play. Uh, it has a lot of those management elements that I love in a civilization game, but it doesn't have, well, I mean, it's kind of because it doesn't have a map too, which is kind of weird, but it doesn't have that sort of organic feel to it. It feels like I'm, feeling like I'm being choked a little bit, but that's also like a good thing too. It's really weird. Um, anyway, I recommend at least taking a look at the game you're going to have to kind of settle in for kind of the long haul with it. I think to get anything out of it though. Okay. That is enough out of me. <laughs> Take a look at it. Thanks.